Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast presented by the Runner Report. And this week, we really do have something special. Now, I keep on saying that like every week, but I'm serious, bro. This one is special, bro. This dude going that we're going to have come in. Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Like, this is going to be special. Let's just bring in the brother from the same mother, Aaron Potts. Aaron, hold up. Just say your piece real quick before we can get into this because, like I said, it's special. Let's get into it. What's good? No, I'm just kidding. But no, for real, we got a big one today. We got our first international star. International. international. We're world. For hey, running reports. We going worldwide. Two black runners going worldwide. worldwide. It's, it's crazy. Worldwide. But go ahead, Joshua. Let them know. Let the people know real quick. But pretty much, bro. I don't really want to get into the real details. Because honestly, his name speaks for itself. You're the, that's the reason why you clicked on this video, to be honest. Because he's been tearing up the track scene. Hot honestly, right now. I'm giving him a nickname right now, bro. This is the alarm clock. This is the human alarm clock. Y'all were asleep, but you have now been awoken up to Mohamed. It's Mohamed time. It's Mo time. Let's get it, bro. Mo, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That <laughs> intro is all hype, man. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> but I, I feel like you've definitely lived up to that hype and definitely during the past what month basically you've been tearing up with Bowerman Track Club and before we like just get into like the cordial stuff where they do on every single podcast now just asking about the quarantine life like for a lot of people quarantine either beats you up and tears you down like I'm not gonna lie my track season I got beat up and tear down I was like I gotta step back for a second but other people they really shine during the quarantine and really put their head down hard work everything like that and that's what you kind of proved from that so how was the quarantine life initially and how is it going for you now uh whew, that's a that's a that's a heavy question for sure yeah and uh, definitely pertinent as well um you know starting off uh with quarantine within the first like two weeks uh there was a lot of decisions that needed to be made whether the olympics were going to be canceled postponed and it was at first you know and, and also like it was about trying to figure out what the hell this virus was you know yeah. what i'm saying like and it was you know you're kind of like working on trying to grapple with what this really is what are the necessary steps that individuals need to do and uh you know it was, it was sort of like a initial like uh, information gathering uh within the first two weeks and also it got compounded with the decision of the olympics and um i'm not gonna lie for sure like i was a bit uh overwhelmed uh, a bit uh you know in a fog for, for a while there trying to like group myself uh, gather myself but what i tried doing is try and take advantage of this you know like at some point i just told myself um how are you gonna emotionally uh control the, the situation uh what what are the necessary things that you need to control which mostly it was attitude emotion um and then trying to figure out uh, uh a normalcy within this chaos and you know the only way that i knew how was training you know what i'm saying going out there getting mm -hmm. in a routine um trying to create a little bit of a gym within my apartment um trying like set out a little bit of things to do for you know for myself um, not think too much, not be too overwhelmed. So most of it was like mental stuff that I had to really control. You know what I mean? And um, it's it, it was kind of I think it, you know it's obviously hard because 
you know, there was immense amount of sadness, like within it, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah, thousands, yeah. hundreds of thousands of people that were with us a uh, mere four months ago that aren't with us any longer. And, you know, if you really think about that, um, like really deeply, you're like, damn, that's a lot you know of what I mean? People. Like that's, that's a yeah. lot of people. That's, yeah, mm. that's like, that's very, very sad. And, um, you know, you kind of question what things that you can do as an individual um, and everything. And um, yeah, and then, and then obviously a lot of other things happen, but, for me, like I tried controlling what I could control and um, tried uh, trying to use, you know, my, my, my training to, you know, to lift myself up and to be motivated and uh, to keep myself uh, in check and, and uh, with task and task. Yeah. And like, I like what you said there, because something that I always say and what's got me through like tough times or injury is I always say, don't focus on what you can't do, but focus on what you can and when you do okay. when you do that you know you can you can find that's how you find progress because i mean you could sit here all day and and see how negative everything is and you know you could sit in your room or you can if you have that privilege of having some time or being able to run or whatever you have you can go focus on that and you can find a silver lining or some type of opportunity and you definitely definitely did that with this track season busting out a 1247 pr Coming back Ooh. with the 334. People were trying to say my boy Mo don't got wheels, but look him up on Instagram. It's Mo Speed. <laughs> it's Mo Speed on it. So like definitely world class. What has your mentality been like going into these races? Um, take advantage of these opportunities. You know, for a long time we didn't know if these opportunities were gonna be available. And once we realized, oh, like this this is happening, this is real, the, the races are sanctioned. Um, despite how yeah. unfamiliar they are from our normal like racing scene, you know, racing meets, um, yeah. this is a race. This is an opportunity to go out there and uh, you know prove to yourself what you can uh, could can do. And you know, I think one of the hardest things about like the whole shutdown, the postponement of the Olympics, quarantine. The most difficult part for me was the fact that I couldn't use you know, couldn't show all the, um, all the hard work that I put in during the winter and during the fall. I think that was probably the hardest part for me because, you know, during, during the winter, I felt like I was in like sub 13 shape, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. I had the opportunity to do it during indoors and chose not to do it. I just said, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm going to keep training, keep putting my head down and really open up and go hard, uh, come outdoors. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. once everything got shut down, it was almost like, ah, dang it, you messed up. You really messed up. And I was just like, what do I need to do? And I just pretty much said, hey, like, don't think about that. Try and like hope for opportunities to come um, later in the summer. And there were times out there, like over the last like two, three months where it was like, I don't think it's gonna happen. I really don't think it's gonna happen. And it was very, very frustrating. Um, you know, I was doing some really hard workouts, taking the frustration out on, on the workouts and really like trying to just, just run, you know what I'm saying? Just run for the sake of running for, to keep my sanity, to keep my morale and, and my spirits. Mm -hmm. And, um, once everything got kind of put together, it was like, all right, this is what you wanted. This is what you were hoping for. This is what you were dreaming about. Now let's go show up. Like, let's go out there and show, show it. And uh, to do that, I, I'm very, very happy with that. So, yeah. 
Yeah, congratulations on that. But to speak more on like just the mentality, like can you speak on more of just like what was the mood like on that night at that night in that random track in Portland intra squad meet? Like, did it feel like a race? Did it feel like almost like world championships? Was that the vibe? Or did it just feel like any other time trial with your best friends, basically? Um, I think uh, definitely it didn't feel like a big, big race. It didn't feel um, like, you know, like the world championships. Uh, There's very little crowd. Um, but the crowd that was there, like, you know, um, there's a limit on the number of people that can be within the track and within the surrounding area of the track. So it was only, I think, like 25 people, but all of them were, you know, people that trained with me or individuals that, that are um, significant others of everybody, you know what I'm saying? So that are yeah. kind of like family members. Um, so their cheers kind of felt like it was double magnified even more, you know what I'm saying? Because of mm-hmm. who, who it was coming from. Um, but I think the pressure was definitely there. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself. I, you know, things were built up, you know what I'm saying? And obviously the ladies went uh, first, Carissa and Shelby, and they just go out there and just absolutely cranked it. So once they did that, I was like, all right, I'm doing it too. I, I, I seriously, yeah. I literally like, I remember being so nervous before, beforehand <laughs> saying, ah, oh, dang it, am I going to do this? Am I, is this going to go, go to plan? Are the rabbits going to do their job? Um, you know what I'm saying? Like what, you know, how do I, mm-hmm. am I going to be on the pace? And once I saw the ladies go out there and do their thing, I was like, man, I want to do that too. Like, let's go. And um, I was definitely inspired by that. And I just tried like breaking the race in, in, into parts. First three three k just get to three k like being relaxed and on pace and once I realized we were on pace I told myself okay you have two more k um, break it down into k's you know what I'm saying so get yeah. to like four k mm-hmm. and my the rabbits I think took me to about thirty five hundred or thirty six hundred and once I took it I said control aggression you know like uh, kind of slowly build it up and wind it up really really nicely and I'm really good at winding things that like wind the wind up uh, style of racing mm-hmm. and it just kind of came to me you know what i'm saying like i didn't know i was looking at the clock i was looking at the clock and seeing that i was on pace i was just i was, I was like okay you're doing good you're doing good and i was kind of going into like uncharted territories for myself and i didn't know i was uncertain as to how i was going to handle and i would just dip my toes in there and say oh, can i do this can i do this yep i can okay keep going you know what i'm saying and just kind of kept going at the 60 59 and then tried uh, bringing it home so I really it was very very controlled um and yeah it it was a great night honestly it was a really really great night the wind wasn't too bad and we just kind of took care of things and it was a good race two really good races mission accomplished yeah yeah and after your 1247 you you came out and I was like I don't know is he trying to prove a point with this 334 he got the you got the world looking at you right now too with that 15 because when I think about your guys' team, you got, you know, Lopez is, he's, he's run sub 13 before, right? Or is he That was his first time. That was his, yeah, yeah. That was his first time breaking sub 13, that thing. his crazy. 10K yeah. is crazy too. He got a crazy eight and, and everything. Same with Jagger, wide range. And like, you're, you're right there now from the 15 to the 10K. You're, yeah. you're a killer. So can you talk a little bit about that 1500 race and what was like your mentality going into that one? Um, I think I was a little bit more nervous um, for the for the 15 because of the of this 
chatter that always came with me and the 1500 meters, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I mean, I had all, I ran like in the first race, uh, first Bowerman race, I ran 339. So I was like, okay, sub 340, gone. You know what I'm saying? Now it was like, okay, how fast can you run? You know what I'm saying? And um, the one thing that I was a little bit uncertain about was how my body was going to feel coming off of the, the, the 5,000 meters. Yeah. Um, so over the, over the days, uh, leading up to this 15, I was very, very cognizant of um, and deliberate about like my rest, how I ran. I was really like running slower. I was trying to slowly build, be relaxed, uh, try and like sleep. I was having a hard time sleeping, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of hard um, just being back on like, you know, sea level and, and stuff. And obviously a big uh, moment like that, you know, the 1240, 47 was, it was kind of hard for me to be relaxed. I tried really, really hard to be relaxed. And the the 15, I was just like, you know, Lopez, the boy, you know, the boy was uh, uh, rabbiting us. And I said, take a good advantage of this one too, you know? And uh, yeah. same thing, like, I, I was like, break it down into whatever, read the race. And for sure, I was trying to like, uh, you know, make a point, you know, like I wanted, I wanted to be like, hey, like I have a, I have a good 1500 meter PP, you know, and um, yeah, I was like, go out there, it's set up really well for you. It's a very, very relaxed uh, environment. Uh, go out there and uh, take advantage of it, and uh, you know, show what you can. And for sure, I was trying to like, uh, you know, uh, pr- prove a point. And you know, with with the boys, there's always a little bit of uh, chirping, which yeah, happens, yeah. which is which is yeah. really good. Like honestly, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the things, good things about our group is we chirp each other, we make fun of each other. And through that, we kind of sometimes, you know, like uh, bring our alpha out of each other. So mm-hmm. um, it was good. It was a good, it was a good little, good little uh, uh, night there. And um, obviously I was very confident um, after the 1247. So I was like, go out there and do it. Um, so, yep. Yeah, I think you definitely got your point across to everybody across the world. But before we get into more of just those races and things like that, let's just rewind a little bit a little bit to that kid in Somalia and then uh, coming over to Canada. Just talk about that transition on coming over to Canada, first of all, and how you got into running and everything like that. Yeah, Ooh, good, uh, good question. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was born in Somalia, but um, I grew up in Kenya. And um, so after I was born, like, you know, like at the tail end of the Somali civil war in 91. And, you know, my parents escaped with me to nearby Kenya and uh, we settled in Kenya. And my first 10 years of life was was in Kenya. Um, And then in 2001, we moved to Canada and yeah, it was, you know, like moving to Canada was, was, uh, you know, culture shock. It was, you know, a lot of those early years that I lived in Canada, like we're adjusting, adapting to life, uh, figuring out what we, what, what there is to do. And as a youngster, you know, you get, oh, it's, oh, it's very cold. Yeah. Very, very cold. The snow. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, it's about adjusting and, you know, fortunately, you know, as a, for me, like I'm not, I don't have, I didn't have the pressures of providing, you know, like my mom and, you know, my mom had to like, you know, uh, deal with that type of stress of providing for her kids and, you know, putting food on the table. And uh, yeah, I was still young enough that like, all, you know, the, 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 the things that I needed to focus on were my school and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think like 
the number one mo motivation for uh, recent immigrants to the West is education and uh, providing a good opportunity for your kids and, and for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, like, that's essentially the task that my mom put on our hands was do well in your school, you know, and through school, I discovered uh, sports um, and, you know, talking about that, adapting into the culture and adjusting to the culture. The one thing that we did uh, do and that did help us was sports, you know, like it's through playing with people and talking with them and uh, yeah, kind of battling with people that you create connections um, and, and friendships. So sports kind of helped me with that. And uh, when did I uh, discover track and field? Um, I would say I discovered track and field through watching track uh, um through watching uh, track and field on CBC, um, which is mm -hmm. kind of the BBC of Canada, the ABC of, of the United States. And um, it was always on the, like during the week on Saturday and Sunday, it was always on the Golden League back then, the Diamond League now, but the Golden League back then. And we kind of watched, you know, Ethiopians, Kenyans dominating, and me and my brothers. And um, I don't know, we were kind of inspired by that, you know what I'm saying? And we obviously, we were really into all kinds of sports track, basketball, soccer, a little bit of hockey. Um, and, you know, the 2004 Olympics were probably the, the, the first time that I was like, man, that is very cool. Like watching Bekele and Gebre Selassie. I, I don't think Gebre Selassie was there. Maybe he was. Um, Kipchoge was there. Um, El, um, Elia Kipchoge, uh, Hisham al Bernard Lagat. Um, watching all those individuals, I was like, man, that is very, very cool. And that was the first time that I was like, I want to do that, you know, or kind of had the thought of saying, I want to do something like that. Um, but early on, I really wasn't, I didn't have, I didn't have enough success uh, in middle school. It was once I got to like high school that I, that I, uh, you know, discovered that I had an ability, uh, that I mm. had a little bit of talent and that I started shining a little bit. And um, yeah, like, yeah, it was through high school that I really found track and field and really adjusted to it and uh, dedicated myself to track and field. So, yeah. Now I want to touch on just one thing because like seeing as, as a kid in 2004 Olympics, like the, I feel like most kids, um, when they see like the Olympics, they would fall in love and the runners like, especially like 2004, like seeing Allison Felix win or Jeremy Warner win the 400 at that time. But like describe like the, what kept you really going, you know, like I want to go out there and run the 5,000 being in like as a kid and like running and you said you were finishing more like mid pack and you weren't like the greatest runner. Like what was really keeping that dream alive to be a distance runner and like having a motive? Like a lot of people don't have uh, yeah. have Kipchoge on their walls, you know, yeah. at least maybe more now, but like back then, a lot of people didn't have Kipchoge or Vikeli on their walls more like uh, what then would have been uh, Marion Jones and people like, or Ben Johnson would have been did on you, your wall. Yeah, did you know? ever dream of being a sprinter or you was always like, I gotta be a distance, I wanna be a distance runner, that's cool. Ooh, it was evident early that I had no abilities <laughs> for to be a sprinter. <laughs> to be honest, it was very evident. Uh, it's actually funny in grade nine or uh, actually grade eight, um, I qualified for our district meet. So it's like 
I think the the highest that I competed uh, in middle school was like the our district board, like our it was essentially Niagara Falls, uh, Fort Erie, uh, St. Catherine. It was like maybe like four cities, um, mm. the, the school board. Um, so that was the highest yeah. uh, like level of competition. And I made it for the 1500 meters. I made it all the way there for the 1500 meters. You know, I was probably like seventh, eighth, you know, towards the uh, back of the pack. But our four by one team uh, qualified and they were freaking good. But mm-hmm. like the day of literally the week of the, the meet, I, there was so, like a, it was like a, there was like this, um, what was it like end of the school year trip? And it was mm-hmm. in like in Quebec, Montreal. It's very, very, you know, it's very nice. It's like seven, eight hours away, you know. And one of the guys on the team went on this trip. So he, he wasn't at the meet. Um, and the rules were that oh. you can't just replace him with a random individual. You know, you have yeah. to replace him with somebody at the meet. And the person <laughs> that that happened to be was me. <laughs> We need you. <laughs> yeah, so so you have these guys, three guys with uh, high hopes of doing really well. And then you have this fifty hundred meter guy, this skinny, like just so skinny. I was I was so skinny, so spotty <laughs> kid. And they put me on, on one of the le- on that leg and I was like, Oh my god. And they put me on the first leg too. I'm like, Oh uh, no, this is not good. They should have <laughs> built the lead up or something. They should have put you at anchor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I told them this. I was like, yo, I, I need a little bit of a cushion, something, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, no, we we, we want to chase, you know what I'm saying? We want you to start. So I started and what? uh boy, boy, I got left behind, man. The guys <laughs> yeah. the guys are just looking at me like, What what happened? Like I'm like, I told you. Like <laughs> So yeah, so that's no funny. abilities for sprinting. Um, I was really, really inspired by, you know, the battles of uh, Hisham al uh Kenanisa Bekele, uh, Salashi Shaheen, um, you know, Legat, all those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. 15, 5, 10 were like really, really inspirational uh, to me uh, watching in the, in the 2004 Olympics. Obviously, like I was, uh, I had immense amount of respect and love for Allison Felix, Sonia Richards-Ross, um, you know, Oh, everybody, honestly, like I, the, the Olympics yeah. are, it's just not just track and field. It's like other events as well, you know? So I was really like, obviously really, really in love with the, the water sports as well. Kayaking, um, canoeing, rowing. Um, so I really, I would say 2004 Olympics was an event that like, that I uh, absorbed and imbibed like the whole entirety of the games of the three, four weeks that the games mm-hmm. were and i was just like man like i remember just running around my basement you know what i'm saying after watching some of those events and just saying man that was so inspirational you know um so yeah <laughs> hey joshua used to joshua used to do that i'll be i'll be doing four by ones in my hallway just by myself that's what's <laughs> all the up. time that's Track what's up. <laughs> hey i loved it loved it that's awesome also, yeah uh, i wanted to ask like so through through high school, you know, I mean, you started seeing a little bit of success during club. Was there like a moment uh, during that time where you're like, dang, like I'm really good at this. Like I can get a scholarship and run in college and do this. Yeah, so the club that I joined had history of like producing a lot of uh, NCAA athletes. Okay. So there was a precedent for me to follow. Um, and the coach was like within, I think like, 
months, maybe even right middle of like that first year of being in the club was like, hey man, like you're good, you know, like you could, you know, we, you can go to the NCAA, you can go to the NCAA. And you know, for me, like I was always trying to be like be, being humble, not getting ahead of myself. Um, obviously people chatting, you know, like putting those words in my head, I started dreaming about that. And I would say once I realized that I had it, like that dream could be realized, it was probably 2007, 2008. Um, you know, grade, uh, grade nine, 10, um, I was good, but I was like, you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack in my, uh, my province, you know, provincial meet, like Opsa was like this huge, yeah. it's a three day meet. Um, it's one of the biggest, uh, high school meets in North America. It used to be the biggest high school meet in, in North America until Texas came along and did it bigger and <laughs> better. Like, you know, Texas always does things. Um, but I ended up winning, um, you know, the provincial meet in 2000, across country uh, in 2007. And then a few months later, I made the uh, Canadian junior team for uh, world cross country. So through that, I had the exposure, like I got exposed to international competition mm -hmm. and there's so many scouts out there. There's so many university coaches out there. And, you know, I started getting the letters from all these universities, emails from these universities. And I was like, okay, so there's a chance. And um, I tried, you know, fulfilling all the requirements that I needed to do, standardized tests, um, but also keep training hard and trying to accomplish, um, you know, the what I can accomplish within the opportunities and the competitions that were available to me. So, yeah. And after that, like, what was, what, when you got that letter to Wisconsin, what really stood out and what made you want to go be a Badger? <laughs> Actually, when I got that first call from University of Wisconsin and uh, Mick Byrne, um, you know, he had actually started recruiting me when he was still in I Iona. So Iona oh. was like this very, very, you know, yeah. distant cross country uh, uh, program. So he was there for, I think, like 20, some by some some years so he started recruiting me for iona and then all of a sudden you know my like end of my junior year when officially i could be recruited and talk to universities um moved to wisconsin so he calls me and he's like hey you know i think you remember me i'm with wisconsin now i want to recruit you and stuff and i remember telling him i was like i'm not interested because i was kind of sick and tired of you know the canadian cold canadian winners and I was hoping to go somewhere warm, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I was wondering uh, that. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. yeah. So I had dreams of like going somewhere warm, like uh, Florida State was a program yeah. that I had in my mind. Um, and I don't know, like I just kind of talked to him a little bit more. I talked with a lot of individuals. Simon Byru, who is a Canadian legend, NCAA legend, University of Wisconsin legend, two-time NCAA cross-country champ. I spoke with him. I looked up to him. So I spoke with him and... You know, he, he, he gave me like really, really valuable advice and said, hey man, don't be afraid of the snow. You're, you're already having a lot of success um, in Canada training yeah. in the snow. So you mm -hmm. should have uh, no fears of, of, of being in a, in a program like Wisconsin. And, you know, I think the history was what drew me, you know, like they had a lot of success uh, producing yeah. a lot of individuals, Chris Talinsky, Simon yeah. Byru, Matt Tagenkamp, yeah. Evan Jager. Uh, so 
uh, you know, Tim Nelson. It was just like, if you look at the history of the program, they had a tradition and a pedigree for producing um, distance runners and, and would always attract the best distance runners. So I was like, I want to be part of that. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to go yeah. at that legacy and, and try and contribute to that legacy. So, and it's also a great academic school. So I was like, okay, man, like, you know, you're already having a lot of success in the winter. Don't fear. You're going to, you're going to thrive. It's going to be fine. Um, go out there and uh, um, try and see what you can contribute to this excellent program. So, yeah. If it yeah. ain't broke, you know, but I also so. wanted to like, I wanted to ask too, like what's interesting about you is, I mean, you were Somalian, you grew up in Kenya for 10 years, then you go to Canada, then you go to Wisconsin, now you live in Portland. And yeah. even as you were saying earlier, like when you started running track, you started like traveling more around Canada, seeing all these different things. Oh, we wanted to touch on this earlier, but like, how has that kind of like shaped you and your worldview and what's been your experience being like black, being, being Muslim, like, how was that like going to Canada to to the U.S.? What were what were the some of the things that I don't know you thought about Canada or, or America before getting there? And what's your experience yeah. been like? Yeah, I would definitely say like like you said, you know, mentioning all the places that I've lived in over the last several years of you know my short life. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. I'd say like I'm a nomad. Like I really like I go from one place to the other to the other and. I try and adapt. And I think the biggest, one of my, you know, one of the skills that I I think I have is adapting. I adapt really, really well um, to whatever um, environment that I, at least uh, this has just kind of been like the experience like I've adapted really well to every environment and every place that I've lived at. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously like moving to Canada, it was just, it was early. It was like first, a uh, few years was just like adapting. How can you adapt? How do you can fit into it? How do you? How can you forge uh, a sense of community and a, and a belonging within that uh, environment that you live in? And I felt like I did a really good job. Some of it I was kind of sheltered, um, and you know I used I would say I used the sports to kind of broaden my sense of perspective and sense of possibility because I was traveling outside of the city that I grew up in. I was being, you know, I, I was during the summers and for competitions throughout the year, I would leave my city, leave my friends behind, and I would expose myself to different things, different cities. And so I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be outside of my city. So these are yeah. other opportunities. So I use that. I use sports from that perspective. And then I think in other ways, when I was uh, in, within my city, I think, I don't know, like I use the whatever community that I have, the Muslim community, uh, Somali community, um, you know, to try and kind of create a sense of community and uh, and kind of, which I think in some ways it was sheltering and trying and like fit into it. So I kind of was using that through, through the first years. Um, and then once I moved to uh, Wisconsin, it was, I think sports was obviously there. The, the main reason I was there was for the sport. So mm. obviously you're gonna, you know, you're suffering with the individuals uh, that you're training with every single day. So through suffering, you build a sense of camaraderie and, and friendships and, um, the, uh, and, a, and, a, and a sense of 
oh yeah, we're the same, you know what I'm saying? To a certain extent, like, you know, and we're also kind of had the same goals, right? So mm-hmm. there's that sense of bond that, that gets created. So I was there for the sport. And then the academics, I think the academics was, was very, very interesting because it's a very difficult university, but predominantly white. Um, so within being on campus, I think I felt overwhelmed at times because there was no people of color. It was, it was very, very difficult. And I didn't realize how much of a need and that I probably like being in a, in a seeing people of color and, you know, hanging out with people of color, like how much that is a need, you know what I'm saying? For, yeah, yeah. for a person, Not you know sure. what I'm saying? Like I, I, yeah, I, I kind of like didn't realize how important that was, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're young, you're naive, you know what I'm saying? You don't know what things are, you know what I'm saying? So like yeah. in Canada, I didn't really take things seriously. I didn't really question things. I probably saw racism. It's very subtle, you know what I'm saying? Like I just mm, didn't yeah. pay attention to it. But you know, at 20, 21, 19, 20, 21, 22, you're realizing, oh, this is the world, you know what I'm saying? And it, some ways it's comf- com- uh, comf- um, ugh, sorry. Um, comforting to be with people like you to see mm-hmm. people like you so i think i was overwhelmed a little bit um in my classes i was the only person of black, of color so in in some ways i had to kind of be the placeholder the representative for spokesperson uh, yeah a spokesperson for people of of color and i was overwhelmed you know what i'm saying like i couldn't turn it off you know what i'm saying like because you have to at some point take that i took it seriously I'm a kind of a serious person so I was like okay like people have this question like how do I uh articulate it in a in a in a beautiful way for people to understand uh to be a representative of of my people and I was it was exhausting honestly because it's like I'm doing that in the classroom I'm doing that outside of the classroom I'm doing that in my apartment where's the rest you know what I'm saying and so I was, yeah, I think I was, you know, you feel like black and, you know what I'm saying, you, you, I felt like that, but I think I also always had sports and sports was, you know, I'd go on a run, I think about these things and I don't know, there's something good, uh, therapeutic about going on a run with your thoughts and yeah. just kind of coming up with things. So I used that and uh, yeah, but I mean, That's- you know, Madison was in many ways like a progressive city. Um, I didn't really experience a lot of racism i mean i've been called the n-word a few times um you know you know what i'm saying but like which i mean it's hurtful obviously it's hurtful but yeah. you know like for the most part i is you know like fairly progressive for the most part so yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel like um i yeah i really wanted to hear your perspective just like we had uh omni hamid near on uh, he's he's Somalian too, and we talked to Will Clay. He's from Sierra Leone, and I always feel like it's very interesting to get the perspective of someone that um, is like uh, black, but like from outside of the country. Like especially like for you, like you know, coming from coming to Canada and then coming to like America to feel that because I feel like every uh, black distance runner kind of goes through that, like. I wouldn't say I went to it to the extent you did, but I'm saying like for me at least, like I always felt like I was like like cultured and like able to adapt because you're so used to being the only all the time. 
And like wherever yeah. I've gone, like I've always been able to just like fit in and people are like, oh, you're so nice. But it's just like, you're just so used to being like in that awkward spot. And it, you gain you gain a skill from that, but it's also unfortunate because it is like, like now, like this is my first time like really having like a black roommate right now. And it's like, it's, it's, it's way, it's way different and it's way different. And it's like, it's important for those. It's very important for to have those things. But um, going back to Wisconsin, one thing I wanted to talk about too, was like that 2011 uh, championship team you guys had, that was such a great team. And I could tell that you're a great teammate. So could you just talk a little bit about uh, what you guys had? Oh man, that I would say like all the accomplishments that I've had, one of the like probably the most meaningful one, or if not the like up there second, third <laughs> uh, podium finish, it was probably that run uh, in 2011. You know, like the previous year we were we were supposed to be second, we should have been second, uh, but we ended up finishing third. One of our guys went from like being. Uh, Teens, you know, like I think he was like 15, 16 with 100 meters to go. Uh, that long straightaway in Terre Haute went from, mm. you know, being in 16, collapsed, just depleted his, all of his glycogen storage and went, finished, like crawled to the finish line and finished like 230. Yeah. So if he, if he finished, we would have been second. Um, yeah. yeah. Clearly, but we didn't. We were third. It's okay. Um, and... I don't know, like we had a one guy graduate in that top five. And fortunately, I don't know how, but just it was just incredible luck. We were able to get a graduate uh, transfer from uh, UVA, Ryan Collins. Um, And he was like, I think he was like 20th or something like that during the the year before. So he transferred and he just fit in. And we just had an incredible opportunity. We realized we had to take a take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? We had five guys who on a, on a, any given day on a good day should be in the top 20. So when you have that confidence, it's like, okay, all of us can be in the top 20. We have a chance to, to, to win. And I think we kept it really nice, relaxed atmosphere. We had a lot of fun. Um, we believed in ourselves. Um, we went through the regular season uh, meets just running through it, you know, like just kind of training through it. We ran as a pack. We built that camaraderie. And when it came to deliver the goods, like, I, I mean, we, we just we just showed up that day. You know what I'm saying? We had an incredible execution of a of, of plan. And I tell you, it was the funnest time. You know, like I remember one of the things we started doing was uh, on our runs, we'd be running in the forest and stuff. And, you know, it's during the fall in uh, Wisconsin. So uh, leaves are like falling and, and stuff like that. So we'd play games, you know what I'm saying? It's trying to catch leaves while we're running. You know what I'm saying? That's how much fun yeah. we were having, you know? Uh, so we, yeah, it was such a fun, fun time. And yeah, I tell you to this day, like I've been to the Olympics, I've been to the world championships. I won medals at those levels. Um, I've, I've run fast times, but that was the funnest time of my life and to be honest like for me like i remember your guys's team so 2011 i'm a junior in high school you know you're starting to look at schools and stuff and like that's when i started to like you know because cross country in high school is completely different so that's when i started like getting into like cross country learning about it like watching on flow track and i remember your guys's 
Wisconsin, that Wisconsin team. You guys spread was crazy. You guys are always finishing like so close to each other and everything. Yeah. And just in general, you like I've been following your career forever just because like yeah. my dad would show me like, you know, the people that are running cross country that look like me. So it'd always be like yeah. Mohamed, Hassan Me, like Sam Chalanga. Like y'all are the ones <laughs> I was like really watching. So like cross the shout out to that team. Cause you're like the NAU teams now, it was like, bro, it was like you guys are the first team I remember that was that was like that. Hey, guys- appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, like I think yeah, like like you said, like we throughout those early meets, we ran it as almost like practice. So it was like very, very controlled. We were like being held back to to, to a large extent. And we just ran. We just tried working on like putting the pressure on a lot of those different teams, you know, by running good solid times but not going over our heads and, and creating this very, very small gap and, mm. and keeping that an average throughout the first three, four, five um, uh, meets. And we just put the pressure on them. You know, we started out actually, we knew that we had, we were a national uh, caliber team. Like yeah. I think starting in like the, the summer. Um, and I'm telling you literally everybody, whether you were in Madison or not, you were like reporting your logs, we were talking amongst each other, just kind of keeping each other accountable and motivated, putting in those necessary summer miles. And I remember when we showed up during the fall, it was like, hey, you look fit. You look fit. We all look fit. Let's go. Let's do it. And like I said, we put, we were, we started out being ranked like fifth, sixth, seventh. And each week we just kept climbing the ladder and we're like second or third. And then at some point we were the number one team. And um, all the, we were just kind of, I don't know, like, we're like, we accepted it. We were like, okay, like, this is what we wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when you get to a level that you wanted or you expect yourself, you know, you, you kind of ha- should have uh, a calm about you, a calm presence about you. And we did have it, you know, once we got to that level. And I would say uh, another reason, go back to a previous question you asked, another reason why I chose University of Wisconsin was because of the team aspect. All throughout high school, I was the only guy in my high school. I can tell you, track and field, cross country, I was the only track, only runner in my high school team. So I had four years of being the lone wolf. And I was like, man, I want to be part of a team. I want to go out there and qualify as a team. I want to feel that experience. And I tell you, like, I didn't win an, a single NCAA individual title in my five years at Wisconsin. But I ended up winning that uh, that team title, and that's worth twenty, uh, you know, NCAA title. Yeah. So, yeah. And then to really like speak on, that's what I wanted to get into next. Like, you weren't able to capture that individual title despite like that team success that you had. But then, like, even just speaking on the individual success that you've had besides that, I feel like you've been going through you you've ran against a lot of like great competition like legendary like if there's a hall of, like a hall of fame competition like thinking of NCAAs you're racing against Lowry Lelang, Chris Derrick, uh Cheserek some years, Cam Levin, Cam your countrymate and everything like that and then now going up against Borrega and Kajoka and uh Gerber Hewitt and Idris all these like gosh why are you guys so good right now bro like there's so many there's so many great runners can you just speak on just and you've always been in the mix you've always been in the mix and you finally got that third place finish last year at the 2019 
world championships, yeah. but just speak on just the competition that you really had to face and really step up to the plate in from NCAAs to now. Exactly. Yeah, you, you hit it right on the head. Like, you know, I mean, people look at me and they're like, man, like how's Mo Ahmed running these fast times right now? Like he didn't win a single NCAA title. And, you know, I just remind people, I'm like, man, like, did you look at the era that I ran in? Like, you know, I ran, I honestly, like, I ran, I ran, what was it? I ran 20, uh, 27.34 for the 10,000 meters. But during that same year, there were like four other guys who ran like 27.27 and yeah, like Mm. 27.27 to 27.34, like, there were four, four or five guys that had ran That's that. Crazy. And it was just like, holy hell, like, you know, the competition was stiff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had Lila Lang, who ran 13 flat at 333 while in university. <laughs> like, crazy. It, 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 it's absurd. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You had Sam Salango, who was a 2707 uh, 10,000 meter guy. I, I encountered him, too, for like two years. Uh, you had Tezrig, mm-hmm. who just had this incredible uh, finishing speed. Uh, Cam Levins was just an incredible workhorse. So I was always there. Like, I was not, like, completely somebody that was not there, like, or just was not working hard. I was working hard. I was trying, you know. I was really trying. <laughs> Clearly yeah. not trying not, not trying hard enough, but I was trying, and I still ran some good times and uh, respectable times, and I just, for whatever reason, just couldn't get it done. But I think what the competition uh, allowed me was the opportunity of going at really hard people, like really incredibly talented people and fit people. And I don't know, like failing against them and coming back mm. and going back on the drawing board and saying, okay, what do I need to do differently? How much more do I need to train? Um, and gradually going through the various different levels of development. I think that's what that helped me to do. And once I I came into the professional level, like I felt like, yeah, there was a lot of unfulfilled potential, I felt like, and um, a deep motivation to try to prove myself even more, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't really have a great NCAA uh, success. I ran some good times. I was top 10 in the world. I was an Olympian as a junior. Um, but it was one of those things where people were like, oh, there's other people that are running faster than, faster than him. So, uh, rightfully so, like I was overlooked, you know what I'm saying? And when I came to the time for me to be a professional, like, I I don't know, like it was sort of like, I got to prove myself, man. Like you got to prove yourself, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so it was almost like time to be like, time to grow up kind of thing. And mm. when I, I, you know, for me, I kind of fell into a great opportunity with Bowerman. Uh, and I came into this scenario. Uh, there were so many people that were like, you know, well, uh, very much more uh, accomplished than me, um, bigger names than me. And I just slid in there and I just did the work. I watched everybody, um, what made them tick, what made them great, kind of took a little bit of, uh, of of from everybody talked asked questions and tried like working on myself you know what I'm saying and through that yeah. process like yeah, found success you know what I'm saying like running thirteen uh, ten my first year uh, making the world uh, championship team uh, making the world final team for the five thousand meters um, Canadian record uh, for the five um, 
you know, and then the second year, like running 13.01 from the first race of the year, you know, finishing, uh, making the Olympic team, finishing pretty high there and just kind of building the confidence, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. growing within, you know, within that. And even while I'm doing all those things, there were bigger names than me in my club. So I felt like I was hiding in the shadows of those individuals and, for me, it worked. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not somebody that wants the hype or the, um, you know, no, like notoriety, uh, like the 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 fame. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna just do the work. I wanna prove myself. I wanna accomplish things and just have fun with it. And uh, you know, the the shelter of the group really really helped me. So he's yeah. a grinder, people. He's a grinder. Exactly That's what I was really thinking. And I was, and I feel like, yeah, like. You answered so much right there, but yeah, definitely you're, you're, you're a grinder and we can tell that about you. Like you're doing this for you. You're doing this like for you. You're not doing this for any type of like star power. Like you're doing this is because what you love and because you want to be the best. But I feel like people are, people are starting to take notice. And I feel like the first time people were like, oh damn, like I'm low key sleeping on Mo was when your, your first place finish and the 5k at the at the 2016 olympics because kind of like what you're saying like you ran all these great times you just didn't have some of like the ncaa titles behind them so when people saw you finish finish fourth and almost get that medal in 2016 i feel like some people were just that woke some people up can you talk about that like 2016 experience a little bit yeah i mean obviously it was the year that i broke out into the scene uh the first race of the year like i ran 1301 finishing third beating a lot of big name guys taking uh you know showing the that i had the audacity um to go past those people at the bell and take the lead with 400 meters to go um and really try and take it to them and um I don't know, that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence. And yeah. I was I was dreaming of getting a medal like uh, in 2016. And I really, really thought I was going to be top two. I, like, I really was like, I'm going to be top two, you know? Yeah. And uh, Mo Farrow is just incredible. He was so dominant. Um, but I honestly believed and envisioned that I was going to be top three. And when I finished outside of the podium in that hard-fought last lap, where there were so many elbows and pushing and bumping and you know just like yeah like just finished like outside of the medals i was like dumbfounded i was like i was looking at the scoreboard saying wait i didn't get a medal like how you know and yeah i don't know like yeah i remember just being break you know breaking down a little bit like you know uh crying after that race because i so wholeheartedly believed that i was going to be in the podium you know and uh, but I think like that gave me like, you know, incredible amount of growth. I remember mm-hmm. leaving the track, meeting my coaches, Pascal and Jerry, and telling them, man, I was, you know, I like just by that one race, I became 100 times more the athlete that I was than before that race. You know what I'm saying? I literally said that. So I was like, man, like I just, I've, I grew so much. You know, like just by that one experience that I can uh, rub elbows with those individuals, that I can, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like see the Kenyan uh, singlet and the Ethiopian singlet and Mofera and not be bothered by that. Yeah. Um, and so, 
that created a comfort like level. Candle and, on the map. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing is like, yeah, putting Canada on the map is just like, hey, I'm here too, you know, and just kind of growing with it. And, you know, 2017, I, I finished kind of about the same uh, place that I did in 2016, uh, just outside of the medals. But I still fought very, very hard. And it was kind of another like, you know, painful learning experience. But I would say like over the last several years, going back to the drawing board, that is something that I've come to love. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You have to, you have to, lessons. yeah, you have to take the lessons. You have to go back to the drawing board. You know what I'm saying? At the beginning of the year, like you're like, okay, these are the plans. These are the goals. Um, this is how I'm going to try and accomplish those goals. And, you know, it's there. Like, you know, what, at the end of the year, you're like, okay, did I accomplish what I set out to do? And if you didn't, yeah. you have to like, you have to take, ask yourself deep questions and hard questions. And um, I don't know. I think it's like the, the best part of the sport is, you know, the just toiling with effort and uh, hard work and seeing what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, like it makes when you accomplish something that you've been dreaming about and working really hard for for a number of years and failing at, once you accomplish it, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So, yeah. Yeah. You, on top of that. Oh, go ahead, Joshua. Well, I, I want to talk about these elbows, bro. I want to talk about these elbows <laughs> and the physicality in this 5K. I was rewatching these races this morning to get prepared. First off, let me say this real quick. Why, when they're doing this pan on the, on, the, on the start line, why aren't they stopping at you? I'm just like, what's going, what's going on? They really sleep, but next they will next time. They will next time. Just shout yeah. out to NVC. I know, I know NVC execs are listening right now, and they're gonna fix that <laughs> next time. But then, just speak on these elbows because you you mentioned it in 2016. Like you guys, I, who was, I don't know who was at, at the end. You were really like battling with elbows a little bit, like last 150, then yeah. last year at 2019. Like you were getting clipped by Jacob and Chalimo, like going in like last eight hundred, like you almost fell going into the last four hundred. Just speak about the physicality and how much like this is this low kick. This is a combat sport, right? (laughs) At some point, the five k. Your boy Lopez about to fight people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, man. If I yeah, if I I had those muscles, you know, said I would be wanted to fight too. Um, But. Uh, no, man, like, yeah, last year, like, this is running in general. There's, it's bumpy, man. It's very, very yeah. bumpy. Like, you know, at those, like, slower paces, very tactical, when the races become very tactical, there's a lot of elbows. There's a lot of pushing and barging. And, you know, everybody wants the same thing, you know? Like, they want to finish the top three. And everybody trained really hard. So um, you just have to acknowledge that. And whatever blows and punches and elbows that you get, just take them in stride. And I think in 2019, um, you know, I had the experience from all the previous years and I was, I felt like I was fit. I was ready. I was primed to, to get a medal and deliver my first medal. And biggest thing I wanted to do was execute, you know, like I put in the work, it was like execute the plan, stay, commit, stay to it. And when I was getting like charged and clipped from behind, one thing I was asking myself was like, did you fall? Like, are you on the ground? No, you're not. You're still on your feet. Keep moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't have, I didn't give myself enough time to think about what the hell, why are you pushing me kind of thing. You just got to take those hits and 
keep keep driving to the finish line and that's what i did so yeah it's good it's but I mean, yeah, track and field, and distance running is is Physical. a combat sport. Bro, yeah, and distance runners, distance runners are really like competitive because like people don't understand too. Like distance running, like especially when you get to like five k, ten k, like or any distance, I guess it's like almost like in a very extreme sport. So these yeah. people are like very, very competitive, and it's like my will versus your will, like in yeah. a race, like, sprinting at yeah. the end. So like yeah. I know these dudes are skinny, but <laughs> these dudes get they want really it. mad. They want yeah, it. they they want it. They want all that smoke for sure. But it was definitely That's super funny. exciting watching that 2019 race. And like you know, I I was rooting for Chalimo because he's U.S. But like when I saw you get that third, I was like, hey, I'm cool with that though. I'm cool yeah, with Mo getting true. that. I was hyped off that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like you know, I yeah, I def I felt like I deserved it. You know, what I'm saying all those years of coming short. You know, like yeah, to 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 deliver it, I felt like I earned it and uh, well deserved. And you know, Chalimo after the race was like, "Hey man, good job! Like you've been working really hard for that for a number of years." And you know, everybody, I felt like everybody was happy for me. Even the Ethiopians, like the Ethiopians were like, "Man, you've been you've been coming at this for a number of years." And uh, when yeah finally you did it you know you've arrived so everybody is very yeah we're very competitive and obviously everybody wants to win but i think at the, at the end of the year end of the day like at the end of the race like you give everything you have and mm. have to you know be a, a good sport about it and um you know dab everybody up and you know lick your mm -hmm. wounds whatever they are and just try and say hey like let's let's go at the next competition so yeah, it's 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 hard, man. Like distance running is hard. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Like to be at that level, you, you have you work really really hard, and you just got to respect everybody. Yeah. And the, then before we uh, get to these closeout questions, I really we didn't ask these questions in the beginning because I think we really wanted to just we wanted to get into the race like right yeah. away. And we already yeah. touched on it a little bit before, but just like, what was your feelings like towards like, we had the quarantine, but then on top of that, we had the injustices going on in America and really just seeing that amplified the entire world. And like, how was that? You're just feeling of George Floyd then, or Ahmaud Arbery, then George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, all these names coming up. Like, what was your reaction to all of this? Yeah, man. Uh, I think that's that was the hardest part about the quarantine was you know seeing people dying from this um unknown un like this uh uh the virus you know what I'm saying this like enemy that you you can't see you, mm -hmm. you know but that is just really killing so many people that taking out wiping out so many people um so while we were at war with this you know what I'm saying like you know, people are taking lives in in a way that should be avoided. You know what I'm saying? So I think that was the hardest part was, man, like really, like we're like, we as human beings are also doing this, you know, to ourselves, like, you know, like what, where, where are we? Like, what, yeah. what are we doing? You know what I'm saying? I think that was the hardest part. And, um, you know, the reason why so many people went out and protested and was an outrage was because of that, that fact of, this didn't need to happen. Like, what the hell, what the hell are we doing? So, yeah. and obviously like, 
you know, as a person of color, um, it's, I think, I think, I don't know, like, I, I think every single person of color looked at the situation and said, oh, like, this happens all the time. Like, what's different? You know what I'm saying? Like, the Rodney Kings were not that long ago, the, like, Ferguson, Ferguson riots and uh, protests and, you know, individuals that were, that were murdered were that not, not that long ago. So this is an everyday thing. So why is it that everybody is like even more so outraged than before? I, I think you have to look at it and say quarantine, you know what I'm saying? Like people are already sad, you know what I'm saying? And then they, they see this a little bit more um, or at least they've had the time to see to it. You know what I'm it. saying? Everybody, mm. everybody's at home. Um, so, and it clearly this didn't need to happen. Like I think that's, and that's the, the real thing. Um, obviously, for me, like, obviously, I was very sad about it. I was, I had to really think about this uh, very deeply. Um, I had to, you know, be, like, um, introspective about it and really, like, ask myself questions, you know what I'm saying, trying to understand it even more myself. So I felt like I spent quite a, a lot of time, like, really thinking about this, you know what I'm saying, and really going inward about it and trying to like understand and, and reflect on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and obviously we did have time, you know what I'm saying? We did have time. Like everybody was at home. Everybody was talking to each other, um, asking, you know, kind of congregating and uh, via the internet, uh, Zoom, Skype, over the phone and talking about it. So you couldn't avoid it. Um, yeah. So, and I think that was probably the, 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 the good part was the fact that everybody was having deep conversations and asking uh, deep questions. You know what I'm saying? I felt like a lot of uh, individuals that were sheltered from seeing these things uh, previously because uh, they lived in the suburbs or whatever are finally seeing the light a little bit. And they're really mm. saying, damn, like America is this is bad this you know what i'm saying like you know and black people were like this has been happening for from time man like what you yeah, <laughs> where the yeah. hell were you this whole time man where the hell were you this time so yeah. I, you know i think the biggest thing is i definitely see hope um because you know you see a lot of young white people really seeing this for the for the first time a little bit or at least trying to understand it a little bit um mm. you know you see the protests it's it has a lot of individuals from various different backgrounds, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 protesting and, and taking action. Um, so there's definitely uh, a little bit more of unity, I feel like, in a little bit. But I think, um, you know, yeah, this is happening during quarantine. You know what I'm saying? People have a lot of time on their hands. I want to see this uh, continuing um, when everybody's back to normal, whenever that, that time comes. Um, I want to I want to see the action and discussion and uh, communication and the unity that that ha that w that at least it looks like that has been built to continue. So I want people uh, I want corporations, you know, to put uh, their money where their mouth is to keep keep at it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I want to keep doing keep doing all those things. So, yeah. Also, I was like, thinking like, are, is your family still in can Canada, too? Like, I know you have brothers and everything. Does everyone still live in Canada? Um, yes. So my, my parents are in Canada. Two of my brothers are in Canada. And then one of my brothers is in Portland with me. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. And Portland is, Portland is 
crazy, oh. crazy right now. It's going crazy in Portland. But did you ever experience like anything like this in Canada or growing up? Or is this more something that you started to see when you came to America? Um, Man, it's definitely, <laughs> I mean, reality of it is, this is an international thing. You know what I'm saying? This is not, this is not just um, to just in the United States. This is in Canada. This is in Europe. This is in Africa. This is yeah. every single South America. This is everywhere. Like, let's be, you know, racism is uh, in its various different types of forms that it manifests itself is everywhere. Um, um, and in Canada, yeah, it's it's there. It's really there. It's subtle. It's you know what I'm saying like it's subtle. I feel like, um, and I think when all this happened, actually, one of the things that I asked myself was, man, can you name a single person of color from Canada that was killed in this manner? And me personally, I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? So I had to like go on this like research and on. Uh, uh, like reading tangent on like learning uh, Canadian racism, you know, racism in Canada. So um, like uh, I, I started reading this book. Let me just get the book for you. Um, it's called, uh, let's see, let's see. It's called uh, um, Pol uh, Policing Black Lives, State Violence in Canada from Slavery to the Present. So, through that, like you realize, yeah, oh yeah, this is international, man. This is, you know what I'm saying? Like in mm. Canada, people, they don't talk about it. You know what I'm saying? The names of, of Canadians, of, of people of color that in Canada that were killed by the police uh, are not known. They're not, they're not discussed. Um, mm. You know, America is a superpower. So um, everything is, it's at the center of the world in many ways. So it is going to be talked about a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like Europeans, they don't talk about their people of color that have been killed by uh, by the police. They don't, you know, like um, it's only the American ones that really get get, uh, you know, like that, that I felt like get discussed, you know, what I'm saying a little bit, you know, what I'm saying and um, it's good. It should be discussed. And I feel like it's not even discussed in the right amount. It should be even discussed every single day. But it's an international thing. It really is like and I think um all people of color uh needs to yeah like it needs to be respected uh and living all across these uh parts of the world so also i was gonna ask like right now we're seeing like in the sporting world um the nba and the bubble you know they're wearing black lives Matter on the back they're doing it on the on the floor the nfl just said they're gonna do stickers on the back what do you feel like the responsibility is of the running community what what should we be doing? What or what what can we do? Man, I mean, I think you know we should definitely keep having conversations. I think at least at least that you know what I'm saying like if uh, you should be able to do that, um, you should be uh, trying to provide uh, a welcoming space. You know what I'm saying? I feel like most individuals in the running community are very open for the most part, um, and we should create space. We should uh, at least do that. You know what I'm saying? And I would say like, we should create uh, a lot of space for people of color. You know what I'm saying? Like you go to track track meet and there's a lot of people of, you know, a lot of the yeah. strength 
like it's, yeah. it's a lot of people of color yeah. you know what I'm saying? like uh, so there's a, you know if you're a white individual in the running community i mean befriend a person of color you know what i'm saying like you know have you know like get to know them you know what i'm saying like you should do the work and educate yourself um and it should be a space created you know what i'm saying sports especially distance running gives you opportunity to grow to work hard to um to grow you know what i'm saying to try and test limits mm -hmm. so we should also test our limits of how much you know in other areas as well you know what i'm saying like yes, by, by by creating you know what i'm saying spaces to to, to have deep conversations and difficult conversations and welcoming uh different people and of, of different backgrounds so yeah yeah we endurance athletes like we can take that pain it's, we can take that prolonged pain you just gotta be willing and inviting of it but with, right. with that with that said like this is a really valuable conversation we're getting a little long but so let's go on to the closeout questions and get right to it. But that this is definitely a valuable conversation. I hope you guys listen all the way up to this point. Continue listening as we close out. Before we get to that, though, my, my brother, I always ask people, like, uh, what should I ask? What should I when we have someone on? I'm like, what should we ask him? Who should we ask? What should we ask her? And we seen that you're a Raptors fan. And my brother, he really wanted to know, like, are you a are you a Clipper fan now? Like. Since Kawhi left, <laughs> since Kawhi left, are you not a Clipper fan? That's what he really wanted me to ask you. Yeah, man, man, listen, listen, listen. This is this is what I want. I want I want a lot of success for you know the brother Kawhi Leonard. We love him. You know what I'm saying for delivering yeah. that 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 uh, that uh, NBA title that Larry O'B as he says that North. I want him to succeed. I want him to. Get every single uh, accolade that he can get. But I want the Clippers to win, man. I want them to fail, man. All <laughs> the, the, the shenanigans that they pulled with tampering this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah. man, I want them to pay for that, man. I want them. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I love Kawhi Leonard. Like, he really is like my favorite NBA player. Like, I love the way that he goes about business, he's quiet uh quiet demeanor but like lethal uh, yeah. uh playing style so it's something that i try and emulate myself so he, he definitely is like my favorite nba player um and for delivering that nba title like man like i, I love him um yeah toronto raptors every single day um all day um <laughs> and yeah, now that we got one title i feel like we can get another and uh, hopefully we can get Giannis in a uh, 2021. Oh, uh, oh, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir, man, come on. <laughs> hey, don't sleep on the Raptors this year. I really think you guys may make it out the East. To be honest, I don't trust Giannis to bring the team by himself, like out the East. To be well, I, I hope he doesn't. I'm hoping the Giannis. You know, they have this regular six regular season success, yeah. no playoff success because I have these. Uh, selfish uh goals which is i want him to the raptors you know masai ujiri is african you know uh he's yeah. nigerian uh Giannis, yeah born in greece but he is nigerian descent so siakam. i don't know I, yeah man i have this pascal, pascal siakam serge Ibaka, african so i have this like dream Shoot. of like you know the raptors becoming this international team but like all africans you know what i'm saying like the african talent OG Ananobi, 
is, is African too, Nigerian. Man. Yeah, he's nice. Come on. Joel Embiid, <laughs> he can come to the Raptors too. <laughs> bring them all. Bring them hey, all. that'd be tight though. That actually will be tight. It'd be yeah, sick, be man. It'd be so sick. <laughs> hey, another question I wanted to ask you. I'm trying to stir the pot a little bit. I want to hear about this. This this this, this, this Lopez Lemung Shalimo beef. Like, who you got in the fight? <laughs> he said bare knuckle, bare knuckle fight. <laughs> they go put gloves on. How they fighting? Oh. Man, oh man, just just via uh, Instagram, social media, I think. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, man. All all I have to say is, you know, this guy Lopez Mong, You know, I've seen him at practice uh, with his shirt off. You know, and I've wondered many times what kind of a human is this guy. You know what I'm saying? I can't be the same type of human that this guy is. Yeah, he's a specimen. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a specimen, man. He's like, yeah, he's incredible and. You know, Chalimo is also incredible. Um, yeah, hopefully they can do their fighting with their feet, with uh, competition. That's what everybody hopes for. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we didn't get the, uh, with you know, the matchup that we wanted this year. But I don't know, maybe end of court, we can do like one versus one. Chalimo, Lopez. Why out the Portland? Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. That would be really nice. <laughs> And we heard that I heard that you're a, you're a big poetry fan. Like, you got any bars you trying to spit right now or anything? <laughs> what have you heard, man? What have you heard? Where have you? Where are you? <laughs> oh man! Oh, I mean, my grandma was like a really, really good poet. Uh, Somalis, like you know, have a deep love for poetry. Um, it's I don't know, like, I, I, I see my mom, like, my mom can write stuff, like, spontaneously off the top of her head. Um, so I grew up in in a environment that loved and imbibed poetry. Um, I wouldn't characterize myself as a poet. I just scribble stuff. Um, but if you're looking for something, you know, and it's kind of to, you know, goes kind of towards what we were talking about with, you know, uh, just kind of having a good attitude about all these things. Um, in 20, what is it, 20, 2017, like my, my little brother came out to Portland with me uh, to, to visit me. And, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, the state of the state that the United States was in during that time, you know, new president who was just like so disrespectful on so many levels. And, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> He was talking to me about this, like, man, I can't believe Trump is president, man. I, I can't, I can't, I'm like, I can't believe it either, you know? But the yeah. stuff that he was saying was very, very hurtful and to this day still hurtful. So I don't know, like I was thinking about my brother a little bit um, and this little bit just came to me and I, I felt like, you know, it could, all you, all you guys are young fellas uh, and, you know, so all young people. So I, I did this little bit. So I'll, I'll read this one for you guys. If you like it, you can keep it. If you don't, you can get rid of it. Um, it goes like, uh, it's just kind of an advice, I think, to my little brother. But I said, uh, to, to our young, to our young, I say, give much weight to your stuff, to your voice. Don't defer to self-righteous, standoffish, privileged prigs, those riddled with sanctimonious smug, any that haven't been humbled by the years or humble enough to say, I know enough to say I don't know much or equipped with the common sense to realize the plight of many without donning tinted shades too. So I don't know, like, I feel like being, yeah. you know, 
I mean, people, you know, the plight of, of black people is the plight of black people, you know, and um, there you're gonna you're gonna come in contact with people with privilege, um, people, mm. you know, what I'm saying who who just they don't care, they they're they're unaware of you know your plight, you know, what I'm saying they can't put themselves in your shoes. Um, so when I say like tinted shades, I'm talking about you know like they can't color themselves to try and fit to the plight of a, of a black individual. And when you're young, you know, ha, you know, believe in yourself. That's what I, that's what I think. So I was just telling my brother to believe in himself, to believe in his voice. He's valid. What he believes is valid. Um, and you know, you two are young guys doing good stuff and trying to use your voice for good and given your, uh, providing a space for uh, voices. So that's, that's essentially what I was just trying to say there um yeah so yeah i scribble i scribble honestly i don't really try and write for the for the yeah dabble so (laughs) but as you can tell like you're a pretty insightful person i trust you i think you you trust us a little bit and you 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 like i feel like you like the show so who should we have on next i trust with your response and we'll try and get it on like who should we have next on the two black runners podcast you gotta help Yes, sir. Um, all right. Who am I going to nominate? Uh, you can have, I mean, I mean, I know you guys have been trying to get on Nick, uh, uh, Nick, Nick, uh, what's it? Nick Simmons, right? Nick Simmons. Ooh, another so I'll one. Say, let's go. Let's go at Nick Simmons, you know, come on, come on, come oh, on. We got to get on. Um, yeah, get on him and yeah, try and like, I feel like he's, you know, He's not a terrible human being, honestly, like based on what I, what I've seen, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, or based on his, uh, past, uh, actions and, and stuff that he's done. I don't know for whatever reason, like why he's stating this, like, if he's just trying to be trying like grab attention, I don't know. Um, but yeah, for sure. Like he should probably come on the, uh, on the podcast and state what he believes in and, uh, state he himself um i would say hassan mead that's my boy he'd be he'd be he's a funny funny guy lopez i'd love to have hassan mead on oh yeah lopez lamong yeah you can have him on yeah i don't know like all the ladies in uh what do you call it like in philly you know ajay's group those are great probably so there's a lot of people there's a lot of people a lot of individuals on powerman you know (laughs) yeah no for real though Yeah. And then last question, uh, what mark do you want to leave on the sport? Ooh, man, I want to what mark? That's yeah, that's tough. Um I think I think I want to I want to, you know, I don't want to be like just a what is it? One hit wonder. I don't want to be I want to accomplish mm. more things, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to just leave with just one medal or or uh, just a uh, one fast time. I want to have various different medals. I want to. I want to have hold. You know, like fast times across a lot of different events. I want to be a versatile athlete. I want to. You know, once I retire uh, and hang up these, uh, you know, my, my spikes. Um, I want to. I want Canada Canadian distance running at like the top, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's really one of the motivating factors for me. Um, aside from like personal growth, you know, like is, you know, how far can you take Canadian distance running? What, what times 
can a Canadian record be? You know what I'm saying? And now that yeah. 1247 is pretty quick, you know, why not 1240? You know, why not sub 1240? Um, you know, so yeah. So why not, you know, try and, uh, you know, dominate the world for the next couple of years? Why not? You know what I'm saying? Go out there and do what I can. So I'm, I'm really having fun with it. And um, I want to contribute, you know what I'm saying? Like as much as I can. And, you know, the number one goal when I'm rolling out of bed is not to be like, oh, I want to inspire all the kids. You know what I'm saying? That's not like the number one. It's like, let's, I got to get, get, do this work. You know what I'm saying? Cause I have these goals. Um, yeah. But I also want to, you know, like if I inspire individuals and, you know, like uh, can help people, um, I'd love to do that as well. You know what I'm saying? So I want to try and be available to people and, do the best that I can. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely think you're on that way. And I think the world has just noticed, like I said, he's a human alarm clock, bro. Just woke everybody up, even put putting Canada on notice. We got people like Justin Knight, Ben Flanagan, also coming That's with true. you on the uprise as well. And we just want to say thank you again, Mo, for coming on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. And you're always welcome back on. Aaron, you got anything else you want to say? Once again, y'all. Yeah, Justin Knight. Justin Knight. That's another guy, man. Hey, can, wait, can you guy. beat him in a basketball game, though? Can you beat him in a basketball Ooh, game? He claims to be. Oh, this is this, this is a good question. <laughs> this right here is a good question. You, you talking a yeah. lot. <laughs> oh, man, man. He played. He played. He played basketball. I, but I played as well. I think I can get him. I definitely think I can get him. Because I think the, what was it? The, uh, the you know, what he put out there was no 5,000, 10,000 meters can beat yeah. me. Yeah. We're going to show you, buddy. We're going to show you. <laughs> gonna set it up. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't know that there's a lot of other like guys that played ball. Uh, <laughs> I played ball. Hassan Mead has a nice like, you oh, know, yeah. Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett okay. type, uh, type uh, game. Like me and Hassan played one-on-one. -on -one, uh, it was the end of 2017. He came out to Portland. So we went out to uh to the courts and played for like two three hours, like and he got me. He's a he, Hassan got me, but man, we went at it, man. So you know, I'd welcome I'd welcome something like that. With, uh, we gotta set this up, Aaron. We gotta we set this run, up. Runner, runner report uh <laughs> runner report runners tournament basketball tournament. We gotta set that up. Right. That'd be yes, tight, sir. bro. We'll definitely do that. Yes, but um. <laughs> Once again, yeah, thank you, Mo, for coming on. And to everyone listening, if you watch this far into the podcast, you really are a true homie, and we do appreciate you guys. And just make sure you guys come back every Tuesday. Make sure you guys subscribe, uh, rate, it, rate the podcast, uh, drop a comment on the post. But, man, yeah, we appreciate you guys. And again, Mo, I'm sure you're going to be around for a minute. You're going to be doing your thing. I can just tell by your growth mindset and everything you're you're just you're just getting started so that's all i got for y'all don't don't forget don't forget us when you're at the top don't forget us hey <laughs> hey for sure bro for sure thank you for having me and uh yeah you guys are doing great work and i encourage you to keep doing keep keep growing and keep getting better and uh keep doing doing the work and you know, we appreciate it and uh thanks for having me man it was a great conversation yeah, you same, same. See y'all next week on Two Black Runners. Deuces.